Welcome to ATL and 29, the podcast that looks at the NBA from the starting point of Atlanta. Uh, Tyler, today I think we're going to go a long way from Atlanta and maybe eventually make our way back to the Hawks, but there's been a lot happening today. And uh, Yeah, today has been a, I mean, today's been a pretty big day for the NBA. It's kind of changed some things and, you know, it sounds like we're, we're learning uh, some new stuff about Chris Stapps, uh, just in general. I, this to me, this deal just based on the timing, it it was probably a, a couple of days in the works before it got announced today. So, you know, right? You know, it's, I mean, it it kind of it changes a lot of things, and it you know it, it relates to the Hawks as well. With you know the Hawks having their pick this, the Mavs pick this year. So, you know, it's it's interesting. Okay, so l- let's go there. Uh, what do you expect out of the Mavericks for the rest of this season? So they're losing Wesley Matthew Jr., Matthews Jr. They're losing DeAndre Jordan. They're gaining Courtney Lee and Tim Hardaway Jr. You know, what do you expect out of them for the beginning of? For, sorry, for the remainder of this season. Well, to me, I think they got uh, worse uh, just on the floor. You know, DeAndre Jordan, all his flaws and all, still has value in this league as a lob finisher and, you, you know, as an offensive rebounder. And so, you know, without that, you, the Mavericks get a bit easier to guard. Uh, they get a lot They get a lot less athletic. And, you know, it, it kind of hampers what Luka wants to do in the pick and roll. But um, and then, you know, losing Wes Matthews, that's probably their best, uh, you know, yeah, I mean, I, I would argue it's probably their best wing player, um, considering Harrison Barnes is more of a four, you know, he's more of a hybrid forward. But wait, is not Luka really their best wing player? Well, defend two-way, yeah. Okay. You're right. Luka is, but, you, you know, the Mavericks play position with basketball. It's difficult because Luka typically just guard, uh like on defense, he guards the four. So it's tough to – or, you know, they, they kind of just hide Luka. So, it, it like, he's like a point. Really, to me, Luka's the point guard that I would I would, uh, I would would designate that to him where really defensively he's he's on whoever he can get, get away with so that, you know, he can he can show his strengths as a help defender and as, a, you know, a steals guy coming and sneaking in passing lanes, all that good stuff. But – in terms of all on-ball defender, um, plus you know three-point shooting, I think Wes Matthews is probably the best uh, three and D guy that the Mavs had, and they just lost him, and they're gaining two guys who aren't nearly as good as he is. You know, Courtney Lee was that type of player three years ago, but you know he's been hurt the last couple of years, and then when he's been right. on the floor, he hasn't really been that productive. And then Tim Hardaway Jr. is really just an offensive only guy. And is he going to be the starter now? Um, can you can you get away would, with Luca and Tim Hardaway Jr. as your two starting wings? See, I mean, what's the what's the alternative? They might start Dorian, Dorian Finney-Smith. Finney Smith. Yeah, but you know, Tim, 
Tim makes probably makes too much money to just have him come off the bench and you know, he's relatively young, so it you know, it's one of those situations where probably they'd probably like to um throw Finney Smith in there, but you know, if you have Finney Smith out there on the floor, do you have the spacing that, you know, Luca's going to need? Right. You know, so so I mean it's a, it's an interesting dynamic, but regardless, like overall, I, for this season alone, just because Porzingis probably isn't going to play, right? The Mavericks to me just got worse. Um, sure, I I, I know, think that's an easy conclusion. I I think the question is how much worse. So if I look at the rotation now, and you can correct me if you see it differently, but like at the point guard spot, you've got Brunson and Devin Harris. Mm-hmm. At two guard, you've got Tim Hardaway Jr. and Courtney Lee. At small forward, you've got Luca and Dorian Finney-Smith. And then at power forward, it's Barnes and Maxi Kleber. And then at center, uh, Powell and Dirk. And then Maxi Kleber as well. You know, they, they put him at center. He's kind of a. Yeah, I mean, kind of, no, I mean, no, that's fair. He's a swing guy. You yeah, know, you know, he can play either one. So I, sure. yeah, but. Uh yeah, that's I mean that sounds about right. You know the Mavs do like to play their two point guard lineups. Uh, so do they have two know, point guards? You know, you mean like Brunson and Harris or who? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They'll they'll th- he'll probably throw those out there. Uh, okay. it's I mean, regardless, had a lot of injuries. Like, yeah, JJ Barrett was a big a that was big, a big miss loss. for him. He was kind of he was kind of the guy who unlocked those bench units, and now without him. And then they just lost more depth with Wes Matthews and, and uh, you know, again, DeAndre Jordan had been a relative disappointment based on what he was getting paid. But at the same time, he, like, I, I don't think the Mavericks kind of replace, are going to be able to replace his production on right. the floor with what they have currently. So, right. So, I mean, you know, they, they got worse. It, they're probably not as bad as the Grizzlies are and they might be around what the same team i mean really the pelicans are a lot better than what the record is it's unfortunate that they've been ravaged with injuries and now with you know ad coming out with his trade his trade request he and the report that after if he's not traded by february 7th uh which is my birthday by the way if he's not traded by then thank you but if he's not traded by then like there's high probability that he's not even going to play the rest of the season. That that'd be a pretty dour note for the NBA. So hopefully it's not that bad. But um, you know, if Anthony Davis doesn't play for the rest of the season, it's going to be tough for the Pelicans. But you know, the Pelicans overall probably still have more talent, uh, just front line talent, even without AD. If right. they don't make any other trades, but uh, you know, it's, it sounds like the Pelicans are are going to be hard sellers. So. The Mavericks and the Pelicans are probably the same caliber basketball team, and uh, it, it's it's going. They're they're probably right around the same team. Like more or less, they're going to be around the you know three, four, five games below five hundred team that they've been throughout the season. Uh, maybe slightly worse. Maybe they end up with only like thirty five or so, thirty six or so wins. Well, let let me where, let me throw some lottery odds around for you. So right now, Dallas is the 11th worst team. I guess if you put it in reverse order, they're the 20th best team. Um, So there are 10 teams worse than them, and that gives them about a 9% chance 
to jump into the top five, which would, you know, that would be the issue of, you know, when the Hawks would no longer get the pick because they got that lottery luck and jumped into the top five. Mm-hmm. Do you think that they're going to go, you know, it seems like they're going to be worse. So, you know, maybe instead of being 11th worst like they are now, uh, you know, how how far do you think they can fall? Like, I don't think they can get below New York, Phoenix, Cleveland, Chicago. But, like, how, you yeah, know, no. if you look at these other teams, Memphis, Orlando, Detroit, Washington, you know, how many of those teams can they plummet past? So the thing with me is that they've been around this, nine eight nine ten eleven throughout the season i right. think their their low point probably at the end of the day is probably still eight okay. it's just more likely that they get there than what it was originally where they might have struggled and been around ninth or tenth you know uh travis link ha- um on you know brad Rowland's podcast had openly talked about how it was projected that the mavericks are probably going to be a nice uh, might have the nice fit in this upcoming draft. That's what their projections had. Right. And that's pretty much what, what um, you know, ESPN's future projections, when they do their draft lottery, that's what they had, the okay. Mavericks had as well. So, so if they if they uh, do get there, let's, if you know, right now we said they were 11th worst, and so that would give them like a 9% chance to jump up high. Uh, mm-hmm. If they get to 9th worst, that would give them about a 20% chance of getting into the top four spots and thus the top five spots because uh, the fifth spot is just going to go to the worst team that doesn't, you know, jump up into the top four. So that, that won't be them. So that would give them about a 20% chance instead of right now where they're about 9%. If they, if they get yeah. really serious about losing and they go to, let's say, like the sixth worst team, then they have like a 40% chance of uh, yeah, about a, f- a little bit less than a forty percent chance of jumping up. So, it, it makes a difference in terms of like how how likely it is that they jump into the top five or not. Yeah, and it you know it, it's entirely possible that they start uh, sitting guys more often, to try to get you know quote the a lack of a better term really just tank and uh, get the best odds possible so that they can keep their pick this year. Just right. due to the fact that you know, in this trade, they also gave up two f- future first round draft picks, right. and so and the, you know, the, the hope is that they'll be better out. next year when they won't want their pick as much. Exactly. So there's a, there, with the way the season has gone, you could totally see the Mavs kind of go into tank and lose, and see uh, a couple of these Eastern Conference teams who are still fighting for the eighth seed uh, jump them in the standings. But you know, it it really. You know, we'll at the end of the day, we'll kind of see with what the Mavs decide to do here. Uh, you know, it's entirely possible they they kind of they fall to seventh or eighth. I, it's it's going like, but to me, it's going to be tough for them because there's other teams. See, the the issue is that there's going to be other teams in this in this um, you know six to eleven twelve range that are also going to decide to give up the goose and start tanking. Um, to boost their odds. Yeah, Memphis, with their trade rumors out there, the Pelicans, like we talked about before, they're probably going to sell up their players for future assets. Right. Um, You know, you you could even see, you know, maybe even the Pistons deciding to do something if if they have a bad stretch before February 7th, they might start to sell off and try to to go – 
really go after it uh, next next season. So it, it, you know, it's a it's a fluid situation. The thing is, Mavs have a, a bunch of wins already locked up. Uh, you know, don't see anybody like the Hawks. I don't see the Hawks. You know, passing them up ultimately uh, in this in the, this race, more or less. So. You know, it's it's an interesting, uh, you know, it's an interesting topic. We, I think, that, like currently, we just don't we just don't have enough information. But as is, if everybody's playing to win, you know, playing their normal rotations all the way through the season, you could probably project the Mavericks to still be around the eighth, ninth, uh, you know, have the eighth, ninth best odds in this draft just based on um, what they had them. Because ultimately, while this this trade does make them worse. Right. It probably doesn't make them that like it, it makes them worse, but the Mavericks secretly were, were kind of a, our, mediocre basketball team as is. So it's, it's, they didn't, they didn't become just bottom tier. Like they're not, they're not going to be sons bad or, you know, kink or, um, uh, bulls bad. They're, they're not going to be that bad of a basketball team. So there's only so much they can do to, lose games on purpose uh i would say i want to laugh at your jokes but like if i do i'm gonna start coughing and i won't be able to stop because i've got a nasty cold so i gotta restrain myself so do you think there's an imperative for for schlank to stay bad you know deconstruct this team that i think is like 10 and 11 in their last 21 games say that one more time i'm sorry you know, the Hawks have been better lately, right? I think they're 10 and 11 in their last 21 games. Basically yeah. since they got John Collins back and, you know, gave him a couple of weeks to get his feet under him. They've been a good team since then. Does does that mean that Schlenk has to kind of think about deconstructing what they have? I mean, there's only so much he can deconstruct unless he's going to have... Well, I mean, uh, let's take Dead, Dwayne Dedman, for example. Like, I think if you take him off the roster... You know, life gets more difficult for the Hawks in terms Possibly. of wins and losses. Um, the I I mean, it's only going to affect the wins and losses so much. I I don't see the Hawks, uh, you know, jumping up to the eighth, you know, eighth worst odds or anything like that. Mm-hmm. So. I don't I don't know if they sell off or not. Uh, if that's going to have a depreciable effect on the wins and losses on the season because far as good as Desmond has been, he's not the driving point for why they're winning these games now. Sure. And it's not it's not Jeremy Lin either or I mean Kent Bazemore didn't even play um during this stretch and he's probably the team's second best basketball player. So, you know, it, it's one of those situations where uh I would say so. Um I would with with uh John Collins being the best, uh I, I just think you know, just overall with, you know, how well the young guys are playing and that, you know, they're, they're, they're really continuing to get better that it, it's, it's it like, it's going to be tough for them to lose, just start like bottoming out because they're not going to sit their young guys, especially if they're healthy. Like they're going to want them to, to continue to develop and sure. to continue to show growth. Okay. Well, we'll have to come back to the Hawks in a little bit. What do you think is, I mean, just the net takeaways from t- today's craziness? Like, to me, 
I think it was kind of bad for New York and Los Angeles. Uh, why? 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 Uh, expound on that because I. I don't know. So don't... kind of a chain reaction on the Los Angeles thing. So, you know, the easy one's kind of New York. Like, they made mm-hmm. two... They made two, you know, max salary slots to try to go chase free agents this summer. And yep. to me, I mean, it just kind of feels like, you know, what would happen if Charlotte had two max salary slots this summer? You know, it's just like, who's going to go there? Like, it's New York, and so, you know, in in their dreams, I think, you know, what they want to do is they want to say, okay, Kyrie and Kevin Durant, come on in. And they'll probably get a meeting with them because, you know, heck, it's New York. It's New York City. It's a team with a lot of history, a lot of fans, a lot of expensive tickets. But, like, when push comes to shove, do, do, you know, I try to picture, okay, is, is Kyrie Irving really going to do this? and go to a team with just a bare-bones-nothing roster and bad management. You know, Fisdale aside, I like Fisdale, but I just think in terms of the way that the team's been handled by their front office over the last five years, I don't think you say, wow, as soon as they get Kyrie, they're going to be a contender. I think he's just going to get cold feet and not actually go there. So I, I don't think that New York you know, came out smelling like a rose today. They gave up their one meaningful asset for a pipe dream that they probably can't bring to fruition. And then, like, oh, go ahead. I mean, that's true, but, and I would have agreed with you right up until we learned that they also got two future first round picks Uh in this trade. And, you know, those might end up being pretty good because it might be good. It might be good for the next management group though, because like, Future first round picks. Well, when do those come? You know, if Dallas tanks hard this year and leaps into the top five, they got to wait for one pick to go to Atlanta. Then they got to wait two years for the next one and two years for the one. Agreed. But, you know, at the same time, it's not like they, they completely didn't get value. Like the Knicks didn't. They got tangible assets in this sure. trade, you know. You know, my opinions of Dennis Smith Jr. aside, he has been playing well since coming back from his sabbatical. And, uh, so you, you get him along with, you know, these two future first round picks that could be, you know, used to get some to get a quality basketball player, okay. especially with the cap space that they that they've now acquired. You know, it's not it's not the end all be all. Um, here's the thing about the NBA. Like the Knicks making this trade. The more you think about it, the more it, it, they may have some hard knowledge of what they're going to be able to get this off season. Um, it's, it's very risky what they've done, but you know, there is a, you know, there's a deep, there's not a decent chance, but there is a chance they can come out, come out this off season with Kyrie Irving, Kevin Durant and Zion Williamson. So that's probably the dream that they're selling themselves on. You know, it's a very hard risk. They didn't, they really didn't hedge their bets like you would like, you know, franchises to do but you know with the two first future first round picks that are going to be far off in the future like that those are real value um sure now it, it you know it's it doesn't matter to this probably doesn't matter to this regime regime if they don't get um you know kevin durant because really that, that that's what that's what this trade all lines up 
either they get if they get Kevin Durant, then you know none of this that we're talking about matters. They got one of the greatest basketball players of all time, right. still in the prime of his career, right? And you know they can fill their roster out accordingly to to whatever whatever they need to do in order to put out a you know a championship contending team. Um, I find that I find it's going to be pretty difficult for them to do that with. Uh, you know, the young assets that they do have on the roster. And that that's why those two future first-round picks do matter. So if they right. do get Kevin Durant, they can potentially fill out the roster. I was really down on this trade at the beginning because I didn't think they got any picks for it. Right. And as such, they had no, they had no real assets to trade in order to get those veteran uh, pieces on relatively good contracts, which is what the, what the Knicks are going to need moving forward if – if they get those two max guys that they want in this upcoming free agent period. But uh, with those two for future first, uh, depending on the protections, all that good stuff, plus their own first round picks that they do have, you know, they got some maneuverability in order to shape the roster to what it needs to be for a uh, title contending team. So, you know, it's, a, it's, it's a risky, like the Knicks are shooting for the moon and, you know, kudos to them for, you know, taking a risk uh, because this could, really set their organization back, you know, another half decade because they, they basically just traded uh, the best young talent they've had since Patrick Ewing. And we, you know, I can say, I, we like you said, we can talk about those two future first, but like it's probably the earliest that it can, you know, they could actually offer it's probably around 2022, 2023. So, you know, that's, that's a long ways away from now. And, you know, as such, you know, then, you know, the Knicks are just gambling all the, putting all their eggs in this basket. You know, it's kind of what they do, but you know, the allure of New York and the KD rumors and all that good stuff is like, it's not hopeless, but you know, it's very risky what they've done. Yeah. I don't believe in them at all. I mean, I, I see what you're saying. I agree with you that, you know, they're, they're being strategic about it, but I think in the end they'll be disappointed. Like I think Golden State's going to win another championship for for starters, and I think that makes it harder for Durant to leave. I think it's easier for him to leave if they lose, but I don't think they're going to lose. I think they're going to win again. And I don't know. I just think it's a hard sell for him to go there when he's going to look at that roster and say, "Okay, who am I going to be playing with?" I'm with you. Um, That's why ultimately, like. You know, but you you can see the upside, yep. and and again, like I said, to me, like them making this deal now, you know, Zach Lowe has talked about this. If the Knicks make a deal to clear cap space, like they've had, like they just did, yeah. you know, they know something. They know something. Uh, they and, might have. Right. You know. Yeah, they might you know. know. I don't think that they know. No, I think they're. Well, you know, they have some sort of signal, some some signal that they're trying to read, but I don't think they know. No. I mean, put it this way: We've heard for—I mean, we've heard for the past couple of months that the Clippers have a good idea what Kawhi Leonard wants to do this offseason. Right. And you know, all of this is basically going to come down to what happens in the playoffs. Um, and I, like to me, Kevin Durant—I don't know if winning a, a title is going to make him happy. Uh, so, like, That's true. this Knicks thing could be set in stone, like it was for the Lakers, like how the Lakers knew they were going to get LeBron. And you could see all the moves that they had made ahead of time in order to get their, you know, get their uh, salary cap in order. They made a bunch of bunch of salary cap moves uh, before, you know, last offseason 
um, in order to free up to get LeBron James because they knew that was going to be a an inevitability. So, you know that you know it, it could be something similar like that where they got a they got a you know you know under the table agreement with KD or KD's made an under the table agreement with them that he's going to go to the new to the Knicks uh, this you know this off season. So, you know it it it, it it's just we're going to find out in the summer. Um, it's a like in a vacuum, it's not a, you know, I'm with you. It's not a good trade. And based on the Knicks track record and the roster, it's not like, I, I don't see why rationally, why any, you know, max level uh, free agent will want to go to the Knicks, but they, you know, the, the allure of New York uh, being praised as a savior could appeal to Kevin Durant. Kyrie Irving's a different type of dude. Uh, you know, he'll like, while he did say that he's all in on the um, resigning with the Celtics, you know, I, I I genuinely think like a lot of this is just going to come down to how well the Celtics play in the playoffs. Um, you know, if they make it to the championship, he stays, and they win the title, he probably definitely stays. But they if they fall out in the second round or the conference final, you know, you could see Kyrie leaving uh, to go to New York. Um, you could see KD doing something similar, even if they do win, just because, you know, winning didn't – winning did not cure whatever ails uh, Kevin Durant's psyche. Sure. Uh, you know, and so it's just it's, – it's tough, it's tough to figure out. And, you know, you'd like to think that, you know, the Knicks are operating with this type of knowledge and that, you know, they, they deal with – and to them, it sounds like they did what they had to do in order to uh, clear up the cap space for, for those two guys. So I was saying before that I thought this was bad for Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the reason I'm saying that, this is kind of following a, a chain reaction, but, you know, if New York becomes a semi-viable potential landing spot for Kyrie, that puts pressure on Boston. Boston, in turn, has to make their best and most legitimate offer for Anthony Davis. They can't make it now. They can't make it at the trade deadline because they they can't have Davis and Kyrie on the roster at the same time. But New Orleans knows that Boston's going to have to stack assets for a July 1 trade for Anthony Davis, knowing that if they make that move for Anthony Davis, it'll be more likely that Kyrie will want to stay. And so I think it just makes it harder for New Orleans to trade AD to the Lakers before this deadline and not wait. Here's the thing. I'd, I'd be 100% with you if, you know, AD was like, I'm going to play the rest of the season out. But this, I mean, this verified report that he's just like the Pelicans are just going to sit him. I mean, they, they took him off. the Pel- Like the Pelicans PR team took him off everything. Like he's, he's basically a ghost now. Right. Um, well, that's you know fair. I mean, I, I it, mean, it, I mean it's a burden yeah. to do that kind of crap. Like, you know, I'm not an insider, but I I know enough people that have to deal with this kind of crap that like, you know, the all nighters that they have to pull in case a trade happens and there's a game the next day and okay, you can't have this person showing up in the promotional stuff. There's a lot of work that goes into it, and so you know, them getting a head start on it doesn't seem like any gigantic. I. I mean, to me, this sounds like to me. To me, it sounds like 
AD is going to get traded before the deadline uh-huh. because, you know, maybe the Pelicans don't want to deal with what the Spurs had to deal with last season or what the, the Timberwolves dealt with Jimmy Butler. Like, they, they don't want one guy just completely taking the value of their franchise when he's like, hey, I'm not going to play for you guys anymore. Like, trade me. I'm not resigning. And now, you know, AD just instantly became a pariah in New Orleans. Um, and so, you know, that's a, that's a PR nightmare that's going to kill, that's going to kill fan interest in your team. And it's, you know, it's one of those things where I could, I could see the Pelicans being like, you know, we just want to move on. And currently the best deal is this Lakers offer that they're basically going to give up every young piece that they have plus future draft picks. So, you know, it's, it's a, I think in the short term, this helps the Lakers a lot in that it ups the chance that they possibly, like, to me, really? the Knicks being out, the Knicks being out of the running for Anthony Davis, because the, the best package on the table was Chris Stapps, for Zingas Plus, an unprotected first-round draft pick. Sure, um, that's fair. You know, it's only, while it was only 14% odds, and, you know, like, if they would have kept that package going into the summer, you know, that would have trumped any offer the Celtics or – and, and, you know, the Knicks got the first-round pick. That would have trumped any offer the Celtics could have put out for the Lakers. Sure. But, you know, as is, um, as is, you know, you just took the Knicks, you just took the Knicks, a major player, off off the board for Anthony Davis. So that, that, limits, that limits the Pelicans' um, trade options where it's just the Celtics or the Lakers. And we're like, well, the Celtics could put a better package. And I would agree with that if they include Jason Tatum. Uh, if they don't, it's a lot more co- – it's not as simple. Because, yes, the, the Celtics have a bunch of 2019 first-round draft picks. Those the, – the picks outside of the lottery are – don't. I mean, like this draft, you know, it's something me and Brad talked about. It's, it's really not even eight deep uh, in terms of, like, high-end talent that you want to draft uh after that it's a bunch of it's, it's really just a bunch of guys and like this is not this is not the draft of um this past season or you know two seasons ago the john collins draft you're not going to find it you're not going to find a talent as good as john collins at 19 or kevin herder at 19 of this draft it's very barista talent and i like the pelicans could look at all these first round picks the Celtics are offering like there's no value. The best pick they have is probably this Grizzlies pick. And again, like the best it can be is top eight. I mean, it's top eight protected. Right. And as such, you know, it, if it if it comes over this year, it's really not that valuable. They're gonna want to hope the Grizzlies, you know. So so it's a lot of moving parts with me for the Celtics and the Pelicans would be taking a real risk in the sense that. You know, they they just don't know the value of these first round drafts. Is it a real know, risk though? That... Like, what are they? We, 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 you haven't mentioned though is like, what are they going to get from the Lakers? That's so special that they can't wait for the summer. Like they say, oh my god, we've got to have it now. That's such a great package. The Lakers don't have anything. I, I don't I don't agree with this anything. I think I I don't know. Okay, I like why England. all of a sudden Lonzo Ball is a bad basketball oh, player. No. Oh, uh, don't he's please. not. He's bad. He's good. I, like he's not. He's not a. He's probably not going to be the superstar he was billed as. But he's a. He's a good basketball player today. Uh, when he's on the floor, the Lakers play. He play. He's a winning basketball player. And 
Like he he has he's like a winning role play. That's not a person you trade Anthony Davis for. Well, no, it's it's Lonzo Ball plus Ingram plus Kuzma plus Zubac plus nickels for that's like four nickels for a dollar. But the Pelicans no longer have that much leverage. That's that's Mm. that's what I'm getting at. Where you know, yeah, the Celtics do have this package, but if AD is so adamant that he's only going to sign with the Lakers, like, Danny A should talk all this talk he wants that he's, he doesn't care. Um, but when push comes to self, AD's like, I'm not signing, like, I'm not signing a contract extension with you guys. And Kyrie Irving potentially leaves. Like there's, there's a lot, like the, the Celtics are in a more, like th- there's way too much smoke going on with Kyrie Irving right now, talking about how he might leave in free agency. So that's, that's the big domino. If he does leave, then they're not trading for Anthony Davis. And if they're not trading for Anthony Davis, the Lakers all of a sudden could take two of those guys off the, off the table. Cause they know they got, they got the Pelicans over a barrel. Like oh my me, God. The no, best pack, no. I'm at the deadline, New Orleans, you just deadline, keep him out of principle at that point. That... He's not, no, 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 no. You can't do that. We saw, we saw the Timberwolves try to do that with Butler. That's not, that's not going to work. You know, better than I do. AD is not stage. Butler's personality. He's not going to set the world. It, it doesn't matter. If he says, I'm not going to be there, then he, he's just not going to – like, he's not going to be there, like, emotionally. The fans are going to know he's going to leave. They're going to turn on him. It's going to be – it's going to be a PR nightmare. Like, that Butler situation was bad before he yeah, made Yeah, but you PR. just trade him to another team. Like, exactly. If the Lakers start taking that many assets off the table, which are, like, fake assets to begin with, you just find somebody else. He still has a year on his contract. Trade him somewhere else. You'll get something from someone. Who, who else is who else is giving up anything of value for a rental? That that's that's the problem. Like and who's going to give up as the get a value first round after? pick, top five protected like, first round gonna, pick? No, no lottery team is giving up. Like no lottery team is going to give up that type of type of value for a draft pick. And so, you, you, like to me, I'm seeing the downside risk with with uh, keeping Anthony Davis through this trade deadline in the sense that the best package they're possibly going to get from the Lakers exclusively. The team he's, he is, the tea leaves all say that he's only going to find a contract extension with the Lakers. Um, as such, every other, like every other organization's package is just not going to be as firm. We saw, I mean, we kind of saw that with the Knicks. We, we found out that Chris Stapps didn't want to play for New Orleans, period. Um, he was going to sign with the qualifier offer and the, the Pelicans were just like, you know, any package with Chris Apps just is going to appeal to us. Sure. Um, and that it, it turns that, you know, Chris Apps was telling other teams this same spiel, and that kind of diluted the trade package to what the, you know, the Knicks were ultimately able to get. You know, a similar situation is going to happen with AD where you're only going to trade for rental. It's, it's probably going to be a, a package similar to what, you know, the Rap- Raptors, I mean, what the Spurs got for Kawhi Leonard at the end of the day. That's um, fine. Where, that's, that's better than what the Lakers are going to give you. Is it? DeMar, I mean, DeMar DeRozan hasn't been good this season. And, and what, what, do the, what do the Spurs have to show for giving up Kawhi Leonard? Like, they, they don't have it. They didn't get a young talent as good as Ball, Ingram, or Kuzma in, in, that, in that trade. They, they, got a, they got a good center prospect, but he, he's just purely a role, role player for the Spurs. So... Like, I, I think it's more complicated than, than you're making it being like, no, nah, just don't take the Lakers picks because 
all of a sudden, you know, those guys are chopped liver. Like they, they do have upside. Uh, to me, those those Lakers guys, uh, you know, if a year ago we would, I feel like, you know, it'd probably be more appealing for the Pelicans uh, that that you know trade package. But now, like they've kind of been, uh, you know, playing with LeBron James has been has been a transition period for all of them. They they kind of all had relatively down years, but like they're at the end of the day, they're productive young talent. And you you never know when those guys you know flip the switch and turn into Victor Oladipo. That's fair. Um, or I, I, you know, I still believe you in just Ingram. you just don't know how to project upside with with um, guys of those talent, especially two guys in Ingram and Ball who are top three picks. Uh, so I, I would lean on them hard for picks, like future picks as opposed to previous sort of disappointing picks. But he, he, we have breaking news. On the podcast here, Woj is saying that the pick that Dallas is sending to New York in that Chris Depps trade is unprotected in the year 2021, which would mean that, you know, in order to satisfy the Stepien rule that you have to kind of have a pick of your own every two years, that they have to convey the Hawks pick this year. So it's taking the protections off the pick going from Dallas to Atlanta this year. Now, wow. I have to read the CBA and, you know, double check and first, you know, even understand that this report is what they're saying it is. But good Lord, I mean, you, you talk about like the combination of a, of a Dallas roster that's not good without Chris Stapps and, you know, like we were saying before, that the chance of moving into the top four, you know, that could range anywhere from around nine percent to about forty or fifty percent. That's pretty significant. Holy um, hell, it could be somebody like Zion. Uh, <coughs> I, I think currently we're, we're just going to have like I, I just need to know more information. I don't want to speculate. Uh, I mean, uh, okay, too much on what, but but you're right. If it's a 2021 unprotected first round pick that the Mavericks just gave up, then that means 2019 must be unprotected. And right. if that's the case, uh, you know, this is a, I mean, the Hawks are clear winners in this because that, that just up the Hawks lottery odds to getting potentially number one overall draft pick. Now, now they got two chances at, at the, you know, you, it, it doesn't technically work that way, but you can look at it as, you know, in, in potential, the Hawks will have, you know, two, two chances to get, you know, a top four pick right. and, you know, getting, you know, that, that's, kind that's of a better big spot deal. to be in um, than being like the Knicks where you're like just the worst team. Like it's better to have two absolutely. shots at it than, than one slightly tapered odds on it. Like you're, you're better off having, you know, two, two, you know, 10% spots than one 14% slot. You know what I'm saying? I mean, I guess like the Mavericks are going all in on this. Um, this is fascinating. Uh, so we we went. I don't know how long, like twenty plus minutes, talking about the Knicks. Um, if this is true, the Mavs are. I mean, this is really risky for the Mavericks, uh, right? Because, I mean, currently they're they're just a mediocre basketball team. They're not bad. Uh, they're 
but they're not. They're going to get a lot worse. They, they just they don't have that kind of depth. Like it's not like I think West Matthews and DeAndre Jordan are world beaters, but they're rotation. They were solid. They they're exactly they're solid, and suddenly you're picking from the twelfth and thirteen guy to take their place. Yeah, so, and, you know, the the Mavericks, you know, the Mavericks get a free pass for a lot of stuff for a variety of reasons, but, you know, coming coming into the season, they, they were expecting to be playoff contenders, and they're not. Right. And now, with this trade, they're expecting to be playoff contenders through uh, 2021, and that, you know, that that's not really set in stone, because you look at the young talent on the roster, you know, it's it's Luca and Porzingis, and listen, if Anthony Davis and Drew Holiday aren't going to guarantee you, regardless of the how the rest of the roster fills out, a playoff spot in the Western Conference, unless like then nothing will. And neither of those guys are as good as Anthony Davis and or Drew Holiday, in my opinion. Like Drew Holiday is one of the best point guards in in, in NBA today. Uh, he doesn't yeah. deem himself a point guard, but like he's just such oh. a killer on defense, and he's great on offense as well. So, um, you know that that's super risky for what for where the Mavs are currently as a, as a team. Now the Mavs beat writer is saying that the top five pick protection still holds. So, yeah, so we gotta it, see. It's probably it's, something. Uh, Woj is, it's probably going to roll over. He's going to have to taper that report to twenty twenty one at the earliest, or probably something like that. Mm-hmm. Well, okay, that's still good. It's not. It's not uh, not quite as exciting though. All right. Uh, what about Markel Fultz? I know that's a name that's come up in some discussions around the Hawks. If you look at various reports, how would you feel about uh, the Hawks kicking the tires there? Depends on the what they give up, you know. Uh, Dwayne Desmond for Fultz swap, which is something Tim Bontemps had alluded to yes. in his piece earlier this week. Uh, yeah, I, I would imagine the Hawks would do that, regardless of how they feel about Fultz, right? Just due to the functional value of you know, of you know, a young piece. But that said, the money doesn't you know, scare it, you. It there doesn't seem like like he would uh, be old. The money definitely scares me. The, the money definitely scares me, but it doesn't sound like the Sixers aren't interested in just that type of swap. Um, they want, you know, value coming back their way, and if that's the case, uh, no dice. Uh, to me, uh, Fultz is such a high-risk player. Uh, I would give up nothing of real value beyond, you know, this season for him. Uh, right. so no pick, no good player. You know, I, I you'd give up Deadman just because, one, if you really love Deadman, you can always resign him in free agency. That's right. Um, you know, and so like, yeah, Deadman for Fultz straight up. Yeah, I do that. No, no hesitation. But you know, to me, Fultz is a really a negative asset just due to he's owed nine point seven million next season. And the really the problem with with Fultz is we there's just we know so little about his situation. Well, along like, those lines, you, you, do you think that the Hawks maybe have an edge over some of the other NBA teams in the sense that, you know, Lloyd Pierce was with him last season, saw him up close and personal, 
Uh, Jeff Peterson, the assistant GM, is a DeMatha guy. Markel Fultz went to DeMatha. Uh, you know, some of the guys like Trey Young and Kevin Herter, you know, they're kind of the same class, the same generation coming through you know, the AAU circuits. Kevin Herter roomed with Markel Fultz at, at uh, a FIBA event two summers ago, three summers ago. My God, I'm old. Can't believe it's already 2019. But, uh, you know, just, just do you think that there's some institutional knowledge, evidence, you know, things that they know about him that would help them make that decision? I don't know if you can have any institutional knowledge of um, Mark Crow folks. He's, I mean, if we talk about the young guys who played with him during AAU, he's an entirely different basketball player than what he was then. That it, it's, it's shocking. Uh, you know, folks flat out can't shoot a basketball from any range. And, you know, it, we, we don't know if it's mental or physical and that's kind of holding him up as a basketball player. Um, like, we don't really know if he's hurt or if he's healthy, but it, it's just a mental quirk of his and that he, he can't, he's not been able to overcome. That's like, I, I don't know if any coach can just sign off and be like, I mean, he's a great guy, but, you know, at the end of the day, we, we you know, you just don't know when he shoots the ball and the lights are on that, you know, he's comfortable. Like, he, I mean, folks is such a different basketball player than what he was just in his first summer league stint with the Sixers. It's it's the most bizarre situation. It's one of the most bizarre situations that ever happened in sports, what happened with both. Mm-hmm. So to me, um like if if the if the if the Sixers are just gonna give him away, which they would essentially be doing with with swapping him for Deadman, uh honestly the Hawks would be doing the Sixers a favor because the, then the Hawks will have nine point seven on the books next off season and they're unloading a good basketball player in Deadman where they could potentially get, uh, you know, either a first round pick if they're willing to take back salary, which I doubt they are unless the pick is going to be really good. Um, or, you know, a second round pick or, you know, an, an, a, a, another type of expiring contract. So it's, it's, it's tough. It's tough with folks. I, I liked him a lot uh, before, you know, all this stuff, and I even liked him last season, but this, I mean, I, I, I don't know. He, he, he talked a big game that he was fixed. Brett Brown was praising him during the season, that like he's taking pull-up threes, that he's ready to go, that we see him in preseason, and he, it's, the same, it's the same problem. He, he, he's unwilling to shoot, and when he does, it just, it's, it's just a mess now. And it, he used to have one of the best strokes in, in the NBA as a prospect. Like, he, he used to have a like his jump shot was pure and now it's, you know, it's a jambled mess. And I, I don't know if he can, and if, if it's that, then to me, like, if you want to take a flyer on fold, uh, you know, and I, like I said, the, the Sixers aren't going to do a dead man fold swap. If the Hawks want to take a flyer on fold, they can do it when the Sixers cut them, uh, either next off season or when they decline his option the year after that. So there's like, folks is young enough that there's no real, you know, urgency to, you know, throw, throw one of their set, even one of their second round picks for folks. Uh, he makes too much money and he's such a, he's such a high risk basketball player that I would really just wait on, on the Sixers to um, decide to cut bait with them unless they want to do a dead man for folks swap, which I, I would imagine Schlank even 
even all folks, all of folks whose flaws would be willing to do. Yeah, I wouldn't do that. I like. I mean, I think there's. I think there's real value in getting him. I, I think he's fixable. If if that makes sense, like, I just think it's a bad fit. I think we need to see what it looks like with a fresh start for him. But at the same time, you know, if you have leverage, they really shouldn't be getting to the point where they throw assets to to try to get him. Just because he, you know, you know, based on what he's done so far and what that contract is. Agree. But I think. I don't know. I think I really do think that there's a lot of potential there in him. What do you think of the uh, what Kevin Arnovitz said about three, four months ago, just in terms of Philadelphia being kind of a, a media shit show, and that he should go to some place where the media really just doesn't give a damn about the professional basketball team, like Atlanta. Uh, but like. He comes to Atlanta and he just doesn't play. Mm-hmm. Uh, I imagine that'd be a media, you know, quote unquote shitstorm as well. Would it be though? Uh, you know, like folks, if they didn't give up anything for him, would people care? Like uh, it doesn't seem like it would be much of a story. Well, yeah, if they don't give up anything for him, then if they give up. Uh, and I, I, I think like it still be a. I I think it'd still be a story in the sense that you know people would like to see how he looks, you know, in a different environment. But here's the thing: like he won't be. He's not going to be, you know, propped up. If if he's not productive in a Hawks uniform, Hawks aren't going to care. Uh, you know, he just won't play. Sure. Like, if he's bad, you know, like, you know, the Hawks have really no, like, if they if they trade him for, or they sign him for nothing and he's bad, and he's basically Michael Carter-Williams, like, uh, you know, he's just not going to play. So, it, it's, at the end of the day, it's not going to matter. And so, it's going to have to come down to, Hey, can can you make an open? You know, can you at least make an open three pointer? Like, you know, catch and shoot, uh, because Trey Young is running the show, and so you'll never supplant Trey Young at the point guard spot. Now you coming off the bench, you know that you, the highest upside you can be is you know the sixth man, or maybe you can supplant Kevin Herter at the two guard. But unless you can shoot, that's not going to happen. So it, it's like. It's going to be a struggle for him to find minutes. Um, right. And, you know, the Hawks, and this goes back to what we originally talked about, if, you know, Trey Young who's playing some great basketball and John Collins are going to continue to be good basketball players through the rest of this season, you know, that might speed up the timeline. Um, and the Hawks may, you know, I could see a scenario where the Hawks re-sign Jeremy Lin, re-sign Dwayne Dedman. And you know, keep keep the core. You know, keep this team's depth running because they like how they play together, and they like they like the security Jeremy Lin brings, and they don't want to take a risk on, you know, somebody of folks who's such a, you know, he's such a high risk, to me, low reward a basketball player because, like, I I just don't see I I don't see the basketball player that made him number one overall pick um, anymore in him. Infos like I, I just don't see it. I, I see too many flaws in his game, and like it, it's hard. Um, it's going to be really hard for him to really, to really uh, make a name for himself. The best he could like, the best he could potentially be is you know Sean Livingston. But you know Sean could make a 15 footer. You know that that's his bread and butter, and, and folks can't do that. So it's you know it's 
it's one of those situations where, you know, it's really difficult to project going forward. You know, if the Hawks do acquire folks either, you know, in a trade or, you know, if the Sixers cut them and the Hawks sign them as a rehab process, I, I don't know why folks would want to come here. Um, you know, he, he has no, like to me, folks as a basketball player has no pathway to, to supplant Trey Young or Kevin Herter in the Hawks' future plans. So, like, it, it's just not, it's not a good, like to me, it's not a, the best situation for folks as a basketball player. I, I think there are better options for him better low like like phoenix like their magic sure. uh where he could just go and do whatever you know do whatever and really fail with other young guys and try to grow that way but you know it, like currently like he he's not going to supplant Trey Young for any minutes and if anything you could see him getting benched for for entire half or a whole game just because you know the Hawks you know they they want to see what Jalen I mean, Jalen Adams can do because he can make an open three-pointer. And as crazy as that sounds, you know, we also need to point out that folks, we, we still don't know when folks is going to play this season. We don't, we don't know what's going on with folks. Like, he hasn't been reevaluated. He's back with the Sixers, but that's all we know. So he's such, like, he's such an enigma. Like, I, I just don't know with him. I, I just don't. So, like, like, to me, folks in Atlanta isn't the, the low – the low risk situation for fault. Uh, you know, he, he has to be good and produce or he's just not going to play. Uh, so that's, that's a tough situation for a young guy to come in who was a number one overall draft pick, who's projected to be a superstar to now, you know, have to be behind Trey Young and Kevin Herter and, you know, even Bembry for minutes. And that, that, that's going to be, that's going to be a tough uphill climb for him. Okay. Uh, any thoughts on what ends up happening to Kent Bazemore in the next week? I, I mean, one of the long rumored spots was New Orleans. That's done. Yeah, and and with and with Wesley, Wesley Matthews and DeAndre Jordan both getting uh, traded to the Knicks, you could see them both being bought out. Oh, for sure. So, so it's a situation where that might even press the Hawks. Uh, trade market further, and again, like I said, you know the Hawks aren't any aren't in any rush to trade Kent Bazemore. Uh, they like him. They like what he brings to the team. Uh, if they get a good if they get good value for Kent, they'll do it. But if it's bad salary and a 2019 first round pick in the 20s, the like the Hawks just aren't going to do the deal because that deal's been there since the beginning of the season. Uh, it's going to cost more. It's going to cost more for the Hawks to give up Kent Bazemore because they, I mean, he's on a negative value contract, but they don't they don't see him as an albatross because he's not. He's a good basketball player, right? And you know, and, and this goes this goes back to you know the the Hawks. You know, they 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 have they have the ability to wait this out another season with Kent, and you know the Hawks are in a similar situation where they're around the fifth, sixth worst basketball team in the NBA. You know, it's easier to trade Kent Bazemore with only one year left on his contract than this one and a half years that he currently has. And maybe you can match salary with somebody else that way. But I wouldn't expect – like, I know, um, I believe it was Chris Haynes on – or, no. It, 
was yeah, I think it was Chris Haynes on Nate Duncan's podcast talked about how Ken Bates was probably the most likely to be traded. Right. Um, I didn't I didn't think that before then, and now now you definitely new, think he changes. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's just like because the Rockets want to save as much money as possible. Like they, they're probably going to be all over Wesley Matthews and DeAndre Jordan. Yeah. Um, so that that's a you know I I just Back don't see yeah, and and with and with you know. The the buyers just might not be there um, anymore for for Baysmore services and for Jeremy Lin services really just because Jeremy Lin makes twelve million dollars it's tough to match salary and you know nobody really needs a, the good basketball teams in the NBA don't need a backup point guard except for the Philadelphia Seventy Sixers the Sixers need uh you know I I think the Sixers just in general need bodies and Jeremy Lin and Dwayne Dedman would both help them exponentially. Um, and even Torian and Prince, uh, like maybe if the Sixers are willing to do a deal featuring all three of those guys, maybe something does happen, uh, with folks coming back to Atlanta and all that good stuff. Uh, but you know, it's really just tough to see who, who are the real buyers because the great basketball teams are, are all set. Like Toronto doesn't need any of the Hawks guys. Uh, Boston is fully deep. Uh, the Pacers have sadly lost Victor Oladipo, so, so they're not going to be buyers. So if, like, it, if it, the it, Hawks it's, it's don't trade these guys, do you think any of them will get bought out? Do you think Deadman or Lynn, not Bazemore because he's got a year and a half left, do you think Deadman or Lynn will get bought out? Yeah, I guess it it would depend on what Schlank is telling him. He's like, hey, uh, we're going to play, you know, for the rest of the season – Deadman, we're going to play Spellman if you want to get bought out. You know, we're going to start spelling over you, and he's probably going to get the majority of the center minutes, and we're going to evaluate our team that way. Then, you know, maybe. Um, and Jeremy Lin the same way. You, you could see that. Um, but there's nobody so, to take Jeremy Lin's minutes. It's not like there's yeah, no one guy that, starving for Lin's minutes. Like, they've only had two exactly. point guards all year. It's kind of maddening in some respects. So it could be a situation where they they kind of just roll roll with the Jeremy Lin throughout the season, yeah. and you know, look, I can see. You know, it's, if if the Haw- like if the Hawks were, uh, you know, as bad as the other four bad teams in the NBA, you know, it'd be without question Denver and Lin would be traded, or you know, they would be traded, and the Hawks would just take back bad salary uh, and get as much as they could in the asset department. But because of how well they're playing, which is you know they have had a 500 record this past 20 or so odd games, but their their point differential is more of a, like a 34, 35, 36 win basketball team. That's still such a market improvement. What we all thought the Hawks were going to be, which is around the low 20s, um, or you know mid tw- low to mid 20s. So, like you know, since the Hawks have shown such growth, you could see a scenario where the Haw- where the Hawks just ride this team out throughout the season. And then, you know, try to get – try to sign those guys back to affordable contract deals and, and go forward and have that be the team moving forward because – It was a big breaking you news today. More breaking news. Oh, man. Eastern Conference All-Star Reserves were announced. Bradley Beal, Blake Griffin, Kyle Lowry, Chris Middleton, Victor Oladipo, Ben Simmons, and Nikola Vucevic. Oladipo is going to require an injury replacement. But uh, for now, no John Collins. Um, yeah, it's going to be tough for John. 
if if I thought like to me, if he would have played throughout the entirety of the season, I would right. be I would think he'd have a very good chance of getting this selection. But as yep. is, it's, it's just going to be it's going to be tough for him. Um, you know, I, I'd have to look at who who are guys like I could I could totally see Adam Silver just selecting Dwayne Wade since it's going to be his last season. Right. Um, and, you know, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have too much to complain about it. Uh, sure. if, you know, sadly, it's, you know, it's something we talked, you know, I talked about with Brad over on uh, locked on, you know, if John you don't have to mention Brad. Bro- hey, it's, it's a collective here, guys. But anyway, so like if, um, if, if John, you know, blocks and steel numbers were as good as they were last season or a bit better, Right, you know, his numbers would look even firmer, and he'd be no doubter All Star, um, not and along with him playing the majority of this season, or you know, the entirety of this season instead of missing the fifteen, sixteen odd games that he did, uh, and that's probably going to weigh against him. But I think he he's got a shot, and he put himself in, into having yep. a shot into being uh, called an All Star. But you know, with it being Dwayne Wade's last year and him getting so many of the fan votes, I could totally see Wade getting that selection or, you know, then they go into another winning basketball team, you know, but Jimmy I, I, Butler. I don't, I, yeah. Oh, Jimmy Butler didn't get selected. I don't think so. No, he's not on that list. Oh, then, but then it'll be Butler. <laughs> then I don't even know. I, I thought I, I heard, the, I heard the names. I was like, I, I'm assuming Butler's there, but since you didn't right. say it, like, it's either going to be yeah. Butler or Wade. I, Collins, it was always going to be an uphill battle, especially with the Hawks record and, you know, all this other crap. But he's played at an all-star level, and that's probably more important. Yep. So uh, Chris, Chris, Chris Stapp's getting traded just helped his future all-star prospects, though. Absolutely. Um, no? I don't think I, I don't think Porzingis had any effect on Collins making the All Star game or not. Like I not this year, but in know, the future. Yeah, but Porzingis He's gonna have that New York bias too. I I mean I could see a scenario where John Collins was just better than him flat oh, sure. out. Sure. Uh, so I, like I, to me, like I don't think it like to me I I I'd be shocked if John Collins wasn't an all star next season. Okay. Uh, if he's healthy, he he's going to be an all star. His numbers are too good. Like they're too good this season. And really, like I say, if really if he if he would have played the majority of the season and the Hawks were projected to win thirty five, thirty six games, he'd be an all star. Uh, if they if they would be playing at at the at the rate that they're playing right now with John Collins in the rotation, you know, John Collins is fully back and healthy. He'd be an All Star, and it wouldn't be. It wouldn't matter who would who was in the Eastern Conference playing. So, I I, I don't think I don't think Porzingis was a deterrent one way or the other. Okay. So, I guess I just go back to having a cold here. Thank you for uh, okay. for joining me and to hash all this crap out. A lot happening in one day. Yeah, a lot happened in one hour. Apparently, <laughs> we had curious timing. Is there anything that I'm missing? No. Nah, 
I'm I'm good. I'm good. I'm <laughs> thanks for having me, Kevin. <laughs> it's been a lot. This is this was a lot. I mean There's still stuff I to had, process. Yeah, it's it's a lot. It's and it's you know, it's really hard to get have nuanced discussions when, when we're getting hit with, you know, breaking news every five minutes. So but I mean it's fun. It's fun. This is new for me. Yeah, this is this is this is silly season. The NBA mm-hmm. trade deadline is is a fun time. Uh as always, uh, rate, review, subscribe. No, subscribe, rate, review. There we go. Mm-hmm. Subscribe, rate, review, and, and we'll, we'll catch you again soon. Thanks, Tyler. No problem.